So the key to victory and meaning in life is understanding your life in Christ, the in Christ reality. Okay, so this will bring security in your life. Let me just read out some things here. There are those that are looking for security and acceptance with God based on their Christian works like giving, fasting, witnessing, or even spiritual experiences like visions or dreams, or even their own life circumstances. For example, if the family is going through difficult times, they think God is far from them. But if there is blessing in the family, everyone has a job, everyone is doing well, no one is sick, they think, oh, God has blessed us so much, oh, God is with us. But then the father gets sick, then the mother gets sick, the children get sick. They start thinking, oh, God has left us. Lord, what has happened? Let us fast. Their thinking is, we have to get back to God. Have you experienced that? Have you thought like that? Have you heard people speaking like that? So the problem is that the security of their heart and their faith is up and down. Depending on their works or depending on the circumstance of their life. If everything is going well, God is good. God loves us. But the problem is, not everyone will always experience blessing their whole life. The COVID time, the whole world was in a pandemic. Even the Christians panicking like the world. Why? Because we thought, oh, God, God is judging the world. We lost our security. We lost our stability. So many people, including Christians, ended up in depression, fear, panic, insomnia. Why? Because we considered we thought our security is based on our works or the circumstance of our life so we always think god loves me god is with me based on how my life is going or how i am performing well did you get that not only this even pastors some of you will understand this they find their value and the security in the size of the church Big church, oh, God's with him. Small church, ah, God's not with me. <laughs> the size of the church or the ministry, followers on social media. So they think that based on those external things, they're either with God or they're not with God. God is with them or God is not with them. So their security is always based on external things. What they see. Externals. What they see in their own life, what they're doing, the good works they're doing, the discipline that they have, all the religious works they're doing, or the blessing they are seeing, the growth of the church that they are seeing, the number of members coming to the church. All their security is based on what they see or what they do, which is all from self and which is from the world. Okay. Instead of focusing on what God has done for us in Christ. Instead of focusing on what is in Christ. Those who worship must worship in spirit. All true worship begins in spirit. Knowing who you are in the spirit. Knowing what you have in the spirit. Knowing that you begin in faith, in the spirit, from truth. Hallelujah. What about meaning? There are many believers who try to find wholeness and meaning in life through the natural external identity, never recognizing their Christ identity. For example, they base their happiness and worth on their education, 
their job, their social status, their physical looks, and their accomplishments. Many theologians have said, Pastor, I still feel incomplete. When I get the doctorate, I feel complete. So they feel incomplete. And only when they get PhD, they get Master of Theology, they feel complete. But even after they get that, their ministry doesn't grow. There's no power in their life. Because they're finding the meaning from external accomplishments. These things in the end always fall short of deep and permanent satisfaction in the hearts of men. If all the things I said would work for us, it should have worked for Solomon. King Solomon was the richest, most powerful king during his time. He had over 1,000 women, 300 wives, 700 concubines, right? He had all the gold, all the money to make as many houses as he wanted. And you know what he said in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 2? He was writing this towards the end of his life and he said, meaningless, meaningless. Vanities, vanities. You have a thousand girlfriends, it's meaningless. You have 1,000 houses, it's meaningless. You have 1,000 clothes to wear, it's meaningless. Amen. You can drink the best wine every night, it's meaningless. You can have all the best bands of the world come and play for you, private concert, it's meaningless. People are trying to find the meaning by going to Hornbill. Oh, if I don't go to Hornbill, my life is not complete. If I don't go to this concert, my life is not complete. If I'm not having 10,000 followers on Instagram, my life is not complete. If I don't wear Nike shoes, we're trying to find our identity and our meaning, our worth, our security in all of these illusions. Not understanding that the man who had everything said, meaningless. But we are like, "Mm, no, King Solomon was not right. Let me try myself. Amen. So if you are pursuing meaning, security from the external things of life, you will never find permanent security or complete meaning for your life. Okay. True wholeness and meaning in life does not come out of what you have or what you don't have, what you do or what you don't do who you are and who you are not. Amen? True meaning comes from Christ. Christ plus you equals meaning, equals security. Christ plus you is enough. You plus money means nothing. You plus accomplishments mean nothing. You plus beauty means nothing. Beauty fades away. The most beautiful girls in my class when we were small, nowadays they're all mothers. You know, and when we see them, it's like, ah, you look nice. But we just say it because it's polite to say it that way, you know. But all of them are, you know, they lost their physical beauty. Let me just say it. They are still beautiful women, but they lost much of their physical beauty. Okay, so... What we have or what we don't have is not the basis of our security. It's not the basis of our worth. It's not the basis of our identity or our meaning. But if you always see your value based on who you are, what you have, what you don't have in the natural, it will always lead to negative outlook, pessimistic outlook. 
lack of confidence in social skills, lack of security, extreme sensitivity to other people's opinions. Major tribe, minor tribe, small tribe, big tribe. Oh, we feel big here. We go to Delhi, we feel so small. Tribal, non-tribal, chinky, non-chinky. How many chinkies are here? Can I see your hands? <laughs> so we identify based on all these external things. See? So when you are in your own village, you feel like you're a boss. You go to other people's village, you feel small. Right? So God doesn't want us to live based on those external inputs. Unstable life becomes self-conscious. We become inferior complex. Not only towards people, but even towards God. So we start thinking, oh, white people. White people brought gospel to us. So white Christians are better than chinky Christians. White Christians are superior to brown Christians. So white people come, lead us. White people tell us what to do. White people. What we don't know is white people are dying. The churches of the white people are dying. But we still judge based on color. Churches of white people are getting drier and drier. If white people come, oh, you preach, you preach. We'll all listen to you. Right? Why? Inferiority complex. White people are not better than us. We are not better than them. We have to see everyone in Christ. See yourself in Christ. See them in Christ. See the gift. If they have a gift, they can bless us. Wonderful. If they are immature as white people, let them sit and you teach them. It has nothing to do with skin color. Amen. See, so you must learn to see yourself in Christ. It's the key to victory. It's the key to overcoming inferiority complex. It's the key to overcoming self-image issues. Amen? Okay. So let me tell you where it all begins. All right? So we're going to talk now about creation. Turn to Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God, the word God here is Elohim. And it's the plural form. It's not the singular form. It's the plural form. Created the heavens and the earth. So there we have the Trinity. Elohim is not singular, it's plural. That means God is a plurality of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you look at Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, then God said, let us. He did not say let me. He said let us. Us is plural, right? Make man in our image. So God is the plurality of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, contrary to what Muslims and Hindus say about us, you have three gods. No, we don't have three gods. We have one God. God is one. Here, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. Hallelujah. Amen. One God. But three persons. And those three persons have three separate functions. But they are still one God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So, how did God create the universe? Let's look at Genesis chapter 1 again. Verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, underline that, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Verse 3. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So here we see the Trinity in creation. 
God the Father as Elohim, the Holy Spirit hovering over the face of the waters. And where do we see Jesus? John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. Jesus is the Word of God. God said. What did He say? Let there be light. He gave His Word. So there's Jesus there. There's the Holy Spirit and the Father. Alright? So look at Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 to 16. Colossians chapter 1, 15 to 16. He is the image of the invisible God. That's Jesus. The firstborn of all creation. For by Him, everyone say by Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones are. Look at that. Visible and? Even invisible things are created. It's difficult for us to understand. How can you create invisible things, right? But do you know that God created things you cannot see with your natural eyes because they are spiritual beings? So God created visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Christ. Underline that. All things were created through Christ and for Christ. And He is before all things, which means Christ is Preeminent. Christ is first. He is before all things. And in Him, in Christ, all things consist or are held together. Held together. Okay? Jesus is the gum, the glue that holds everything together. Alright? So Jesus in creation, that is what we see here. God the Father planned everything. Okay? The Father is the one who planned. The Son is the one who did it. Who executed the Father's plan. All things were created through Him. For Him. He's before all things. In other words, all things are for the glory of Christ. Did you follow? And in Him all things consist. Which means Christ is holding everything together. Do you know that the universe where the planets are going around in circles without bumping into one another. The whole universe has an order. Creation has an order. There's an order to the plant life. There's an order to chemical life. There's an order to everything, right? We are, if we are 100 feet closer to the sun, do you know that the earth would burn up? If you're 100 feet further from the sun, we would all freeze and die. We are in the exact very place where we are supposed to be. All things are held together in Christ. Christ is what gives order to creation and even in your life. In other words, if you don't have Christ in your life, you have no order. And the order is this. Christ should always be number one. He's before all things. That means make sure Christ is number one in your life also. Christ holds all things together. That means for your life to be held together. How many of you sometimes you feel like your life is mess disorder you don't know what's happening where your life is going right when those things happen in your life do this just sit down and read the word and just spend time in prayer with jesus till you sense that order being restored in your heart okay not only that you know they've discovered that what holds atoms you know if you go to the smallest minutest particle of nature I don't even know the scientific terms, new atoms, neutrons, protons, whatever. 
they've discovered that what holds those particles together is sound waves. Sound waves. You can study that in physics. Scientists are just discovering that what holds everything together to the minute smallest portion is sound waves. And where was the sound waves released? Let there be light. When God spoke, there was energy released. Do you know that light has energy? Energy has light. But light also has sound and sound has light. Sound has energy. Sound has color. All of that in physics. It all comes back to the Bible. Anyway, let's not go too deep into all those things. John chapter 1. Let's go there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Come on, say this with me. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. So if you have Christ, or if you are in Him, you have life. How many of you have life? You have it. Whether you feel it or not, doesn't make a difference. You have life. Come on, say this with me. I have life. life. Now, just saying it, does it make you feel like more lively? Huh? Yeah. Just saying it makes you happy. I have life. So it's believing first. Amen? What about the Holy Spirit? Look at Psalms 104, verse 30. You send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. So the Holy Spirit was also in creation. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So how did God create? God planned it. Jesus did it. And Jesus used the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you follow? If you understand this, you will understand how the kingdom of God operates. Let's take a side detour here. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face. So the Spirit of God was already there. God said, let there be light. Right? So God planned it. God conceived it. The Son executed it. And the Holy Spirit made it manifest. So the Son did it by the Spirit's power. Okay? So we always see... That the word of God, Jesus is the word, right? Plus the spirit, right? Holy Spirit, right? Equals what? Huh? Life. Creation, right? In other words, the kingdom of God manifested. In other words, what is that? Word plus spirit equals to? Think about it. There was nothing. Who existed before there was nothing? Huh? God. Right? Everything that we see in the world today was created from the realm of the invisible. God imagined it. God conceived it. God planned it. But God brought it into the natural world. He said, let there be light, and light came. He said, let there be mountains, and mountains came. Birds came, deer came, when God said. They manifested, right? 
So, how about you? Does God have healing for your life? Yes? Does God have promises for you? Blessings for you? Where are they? In the Spirit, right? They are there in the Word of God. You don't see it yet in your life. So, how do you bring it into your life? How will it manifest in your life? The Word of God, you see the Word, you believe it. The Spirit of God works in your heart. And then it manifests. Amen. So this is how the kingdom of God operates. Jesus is the word of God, right? He was in the Jordan and he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Yes or no? So the word and the spirit equals the beginning of his ministry. He went about preaching and teaching and doing good and healing all who were oppressed. It began... After he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Word plus spirit equals the kingdom of God. That's how the kingdom of God operates. Amen. Okay. Look at Isaiah 45 verse 12. Why did God create the earth? Okay, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. I am the one who made the earth. That's what God is saying. And created people to live on it. With my hands, I stretched out the heavens. All the millions of stars are at my command. So there are three principles of creation you see here. Number one, heaven. God created the heavens, right? I stretched out the heavens, he says. Stretched out the heavens. Not just heaven, heavens. Heavens, right? Heavens, right? Plural. Do you know that there are three heavens? Okay, you can see it in the Bible later, but there are three heavens. Okay. I've created the heavens. I stretch out the heavens. Number one is this. Three principles of creation. Heaven is created to minister to earth. Right? Number two. Earth is created to minister and serve man. And number three, man is created to minister and to serve God. So God created the earth for you and me. Okay, we must understand that. All the gold, all the oil, all the diamonds are actually created for man. For man to use. So having gold is not bad. It's just making sure that gold does not have you. Because it is used for God's purposes. Okay. Alright. So why did God create the earth? He created the earth to be inhabited. And for earth to serve man. And then God created everything first. He created man last. Right? Like the husband that makes the house, the flat, the kitchen, the sofa, the bed. He makes the whole house and then he brings the wife. He doesn't marry and say, okay, now you do everything. So the wife has to make the kitchen, the wife has to make the sofa, the wife. No. You see, what it means is that God created the earth, made it a right place to serve man. Then he put man in. Amen. 
That means the earth is to serve men. The husband is to serve the woman, not the woman to serve the husband. Of course, both of them have their own roles, all right? So Adam and Eve, let's look at Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter 1, let's go there. Verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Verse 28. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Verse 29. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth. Every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. So God gave creation to us to serve us, the plants and the animals. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. Everyone say very good. There was no sickness in creation. There was no death in creation. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So the day begins at evening. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. So this is how God created man. And the Lord God formed man. Everyone say formed. The word formed means to shape. So God took the dust of the ground and he made a shape from the dust just like him. Okay. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Have you ever taken clay and made dolls out of it? Similar to that. Okay. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being okay so understand this part because this is the beginning this is where man begins his existence when the breath of god is breathed into his nostrils okay so god first gave him a body shape of the body formed out of the dust of the ground right so the shape was already there. Was there any life? There was no life. The shape was already there, right? The form was there, but there was no life until God into his nostrils. And then Adam became a living being. All right? So the breath of God is the spirit of God. One word for the Holy Spirit in the Hebrew is roach, which means breath of God. So in other words, the body was just a container. The body was just a container. There was no life until God breathed his spirit into Adam and Adam became a living being. Did you follow that? So in other words, Adam had no life. There was no life. It was just a statue. It was just a shape. 
The body was there. The shape was there. But there was no life. Until God came in. Breathed his life into Adam. You know why? God is. God is spirit. If God made man in his image. Then man must be created spirit. Yes or no? Yes or no? Spirit. Not physical. So the physical was already there. The shape was there. But there was no life. Until God breathed his spirit. So in other words, the physical form was necessary because God created creation. God wanted to put Adam and Eve like his sons in creation to represent him. He said, multiply, cover the earth, have dominion over the earth. Right? So the only way Adam and Eve could function in the physical universe, natural creation, was if they have a body. Because God created a natural universe, natural creation, right? However, God created Adam and Eve in His image. That means they could not be physical beings alone. They have to be first a spiritual being. Because God is spirit, right? If you are Arunachali and you marry Arunachali girl and you have a son, will he be Bengali? No. We are naturally. I, if I have children, will be Naga. Why? Right? Just like me. So if God is birthing, giving birth to Adam and Eve, creating them in His image, just like Him, they have to be spirit beings, right? Because God is spirit. So God breathed His own life into that shape and Adam became a living being. Can you follow that? So the real Adam was actually the spirit man. Who was inhabiting the physical body. In order to function in this natural universe. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So from the beginning we see God created man as a three-part being. Three-part being. And you can see that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Turn there. One, two, three. Let's read it. May your whole spirit, soul, and body. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of Jesus Christ. So man is a three-part being. All three parts make the whole man. Spirit, soul, and body. Okay. The Bible also says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Right? In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 45, the Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your 
strength. With all your heart, spirit, all your soul, your mind, your intellect, and your emotions, and with all your strength, your physical body. So the part of you that bears the spiritual image of God is the spirit. We can say the spirit being in you is the real man. Is a part of you which carries the image of God. Okay? Now, most men, this is through psychology and through science. Because psychology can understand the soul, but they have no place for the spirit. Because scientific knowledge has no place for spirit world. They don't believe in demons. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in angels. But they have understanding of the soul to a certain degree. So man today, science will say man is made of two parts. They will say man is the soul and the body. Okay. Suke or the psyche as they would say in psychiatrists. Okay. Though they say the soul is the invisible and the psychological part within man. And the body is the visible outward part. There is truth to this, but it is not complete truth. It doesn't have the Bible revelation in it. Yes, it is true that the body is the outward part, but the Bible never confuses the soul with the spirit or considers the two as the same. Not only are they different terms, but also different substances. Look at Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. Understanding is important to understanding our union with Christ. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. Division of? Division of? Soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. What is joints and marrow? That's the flesh. That's the body. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, psychiatrists will say, Science will say, you have a soul and you have a body. But the Bible says, you have spirit, soul, and body. Unless you understand this, you will not be able to solve the problems of men. Because the major problem of men is sin, which is a spiritual sickness. But psychiatry today wants to say there is no sin. Homosexuality is not a sin. You know, gender issue is not a sin. Adultery is not a sin. They say it's just a soulish problem. They say that it's a genetic problem. They want to remove sin from all conversation and all truth. But the problem of men is sin. Because all problems started because of Adam and Eve's sin, right? Sin is a spiritual issue. Unless you deal with the root, the spiritual issue, you'll never be able to solve the issues of mankind. So you must understand there is spirit, there is soul, and body. As Paul also says at times, there is the outward man and there is the inward man. The outward man is the body and the inward man, the hidden man of the heart, where there is a soul and a body together. So the soul and the body can be divided. You can separated even though it's one man on the inside the inner man there is a division of the soul and the body so we can safely conclude man is a spirit being having a soul and living in a body so adam was spirit 
Adam was spirit. And as a spirit being, he was connected to God. He was like God. He carried the nature of God. Okay? Because Adam was spirit. God breathed into him and Adam became a living being. So Adam carried God's image. The nature of God. He carried the life of God. He was connected to God. He was in union with God. He was in a relationship with God. He was connected to God. Can you say amen? Adam also had a soul. He had intellect. He had emotions. The moment he saw Eve, he said, whoa, man. He was delighted. He was excited. He was like, wow, I'm not alone. He had emotions, right? He had intellect. He had emotion and he had will. Eve Eight first, right? Not Adam. So Adam could choose. Do I choose God or do I choose this woman? Do I choose God or do I choose? Because if ate, Adam had not eaten yet. And Adam chose the woman over God. He had a will. All right? And Adam actually had a supernatural intellect. Supernatural ability. You can see that in Genesis. Go back to Genesis chapter 2. Look at verse 20. So Adam gave names to all cattle. See, he gave names to all cattle, the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. Look at verse 19. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was his name. Adam is the one that called every living creature. Every plant, every tree, every insect, every bird, every animal. Adam called it. That's a supernatural intellect and mind. Adam's mind was operating at 100%. Do you know that today geniuses, their minds operate at 10%? Which means for us, our minds operate at maybe 1% or 2%. Amen. See, Adam named everyone. The ability to come up with names creatively for every creature. It's supernatural. Why? He was functioning with the ability that came from God. He was like God. He had the nature of God. He carried the attributes of God within. Not all of them. He was not omnipotent, omnipresent, omnipowerful. No, he was not all of those things. Amen? And he had a body. And the body has the physical... Senses of eyes, right? To see, ear to hear, nose to smell, hands to touch, right? So let's say we have touch, we have sight, we have hearing, right? We have smell, and what else? We have the tongue. What will Nagas do without tongue, man? We have the tongue for taste. The five physical senses. That give us natural knowledge. The first, Adam and Eve, they, went, they saw this white substance. Hey, 
From today, we call this salt. Right? From today, we call this sugar. Taste. Sight. Hearing. Based on the information that comes from the world. We see a bird flying. Sight. We hear some animals. We observe in the laboratory. Based on this, what we have is scientific knowledge. It feeds all of this information, input. Every day you're seeing people, it goes into the mind. And the mind is a place where we store this information. I see someone who's a little dark, looks like Rasnikant, South Indian. Right? We see and then we hear them, Stotteram, Stotteram. We hear them speaking in South Indian. Oh, definitely, Tamil. Right? External input, natural knowledge is processed in the mind, the intellect, and then you decide whether you like him or you don't like him. And then you decide whether you want to be a friend or you don't want to be a friend. So, even though we are three parts, we all work as one. Are you seeing it? So Adam was both physically alive and he was also spiritually alive. Okay? He was in union with God, but he was also functioning on the earth in physical creation. As the ruler, the one who has dominion. If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com and visit our website www.faithharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 700 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.